0: From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It's Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local Mediocre Internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there, making us sound good. It's going to be two people today, and you'll understand why when I'm done. Okay. Happy 35th birthday to Aubrey Plaza. Sure. And happy 49th birthday to Nick Offerman. Nice. That's a good one to punch. Same day.
1: Good one to punch. That good is. one to punch. Uh first, four through the door. Andrew Christensen, Ruben Rios, Tim Guzman, and Tony Blaylock. What's up, y'all?
0: Today, uh Powers is here. We're gonna get Tim in just a moment. Hi Powers. Hey, what's up? I want to make sure I introduce you so that if there's a I didn't want to interrupt. Now you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Powers is here. Uh, Today is Wednesday, June 26th, 2019, 155 days until Thanksgiving, episode 774, 774, the number of games that Dean Palmer played in his illustrious Texas Rangers career uh, back 1989, like, ninety. I don't know, he played a lot of games for the Rangers, Dino, Dino, uh, very good Ranger, I played twice, anyway. Um, on today's show, guys, uh, Powers is here, so we're going to talk recruiting in two segments. First and foremost, we're going to talk do this week in recruiting, our normal Wednesday segment, and then uh, pick his brain about what he's looking for at the State Seven on Seven tournament. Um, we've got a great you've got a great piece up on TexasFootball.com about uh, the guys you've got your eye on. Right. Um, I'm I'm going to ask people. I'm going to ask you, and I'll let you prepare. You're going to give me the questions I'm ahead of time. Give me the question ahead of time so you can study. I'm I'm probably I I want to know like what you're looking for. Like what, like what a scout is looking for whenever they watch 7-on-7. Seven Seven. I think there's a lot of people who feel like they know football and when you watch 11-man football, you say, okay, I, I kind of know what I'm looking for. Right. Um, I want to ask you as far as 7-on-7 Seven Seven is concerned what you're looking for. We'll get to that in the back half of the show. Two things off, uh, three things off the top. One, it's the last show of the week. We're back Wednesday, because, or back Monday, rather, because we are going to be in the College Station.
1: Hitting the road right after the show. Right after the
0: show. This is the last thing we're doing before we're getting in the car and we're driving our, our butts down to, to C-Stat. So we'll be down there. So no show Thursday and Friday. Um, secondly, I'd like to enter the dad zone for a moment. Can oh, we no. enter the dad zone? Sure.
1: I will tune out. Dad zone.
0: So when you have small children, you you kind of have to be careful about the kind of music that you're playing around there. Not because I don't want my kid to hear swear words because God knows he's my kid and he hangs around me and my wife and we swear enough. But one thing that I was turned on to and I want to uh, direct it over to the greater audience. Um, Especially in the morning, you want to have just kind of calm music on, but a lot of calm music sucks. Allow me to introduce you to Sweet Little Band. If you're unfamiliar with Sweet Little Band, they do... Lullaby covers, like <laughs> lullaby covers, um, accu- or rather instrumentals, uh, for all your favorite songs. So this morning, and this is where Max will, pick, will will perk up. Probably not, but maybe this morning. Do what with who now? I listened to lullaby versions. Of Metallica. Nice. (laughs) This morning. So Hank is just sitting there playing. He's like, oh, this is nice music. And I'm going, and nothing else matters. I was wondering
2: where this was, like, which direction this was going in.
0: Yes. So um, Sweet Little Band has a great album where they cover the best of Metallica in lullaby form. So check that out. (laughs) Finally, I want to uh, direct you to um, a a great site. This popped across my Twitter, and I have to share it because this is primarily, and Max will perk up at this, Mm. this is primarily a presidential history podcast. It's true. Yes. Mental Floss, which is a very fun website.
1: Yes. John Green's the man.
0: Yes. Has an article up called 16 Savage Teddy Roosevelt Insults. Nice. Including um, an amiable old fuzzy wuzzy with sweet bread brains, (laughs) which is great. Uh, A cold blood—this is my favorite one. He described President Benjamin Harrison as— a cold-blooded, narrow-minded, prejudiced, obstinate, timid old psalm—a re- psalm-singing Indianapolis politician. Nice. Um, the most, really the most intolerably slow of all men who ever adored red tape. Um, <laughs> he said of Williams Jennings Bryan. Oh god! Here we go. <laughs> a professional yodeler, a human <laughs> trombone. <laughs> Um, he referred to uh, my boy, William Howard Taft, mm. as a puzzle wit, a fathead, uh, and brains less than a guinea pig. <laughs> um, a true old-style Jeffersonian of the barbaric blatherskite uh, variety. Oh, Lord. He is evidently a maniac, morally no less than mentally. All right. Well, uh, anyway, Texas, or it's on uh, mental amazing. floss. Um, uh, it's called 16 Savage Teddy Roosevelt Insults. That's Teddy Roosevelt
1: was extraordinary. Amazing. Yeah.
2: My goodness,
0: that's. I'm Greg Tepper. That's Greg Powers, and this is this week in Cruton.
2: Not only football.
0: Oh wait, what? No, we had jokes today. Oh, we do have jokes. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Tepper <laughs> had jokes. I do. Well, I always have jokes. Let's do it again. You, Say it again. again. Okay. <clears throat> do you have a? Can you? I'm not doing it again. Going? No. I'm Greg Tepper. That's Greg Powers, and this is this week in Cruton. There we go. <laughs> yeah. We're talking recruiting with Greg Powers, the Next Level Athlete. Follow him on Twitter at gpowerscout. Follow Next Level Athlete on Twitter at NextLevelD1. A lot to get to in the recruiting world. Things are heating up in in the summer, as it were, so to speak. Um, let's talk first and foremost about our prospect on the rise, a guy that sure. you had to call to confirm how to pronounce his name, <laughs> Pflugerville Connolly cornerback Jade Barron. Yep. Right? Did I get yep, that right? You got it right. Jade Barron is, uh, is a new – um a guy who's been on the radar for a little bit he was a TCU commit decommitted and now has committed to Baylor right um so obviously a guy who's who's getting a little bit of attention he also had offers from tech from SMU from from Oklahoma State and Tennessee uh, but he's chosen the bears this is uh this is a nice little i don't want to call it a, a steal let's call it a poach right. by uh, by the Baylor bears
2: well there was there was some significant time in between his commitment to TCU and his commit to commitment to Baylor so he didn't flip necessarily from TCU to Baylor, but he did decommit from TCU and then later committed to Baylor. So right. there is a... Maybe Horned Frogs fans don't have to take it necessarily right. that hard, but this is a good get for Baylor. Anytime that you <clears throat> pick up a commitment from some of your Big 12 rivals like Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU, and throw them on the defensive side of the football, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. I mean, I, I I'm still caught in this... Um, and uh, we, and justifiably, I think we all are. Uh, big 12 recruits better on the offensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And to say. anytime you can land a significant defensive recruit, I think it's cause for celebration. And this is a big deal for uh, Baylor and especially uh, Jade Barron, mm-hmm. uh, who has now found
0: his home to play before the start of his senior season. Absolutely, and this is a guy who I know that people maybe don't pay a ton of attention to Fleurville Connolly. They were 3-7 a year ago, uh, but this is a guy who um, can, you know, is going to be, for Connolly. he's going to bounce around at safety and corner. Right. I know he projects as a corner at the next level, but a guy who 50 tackles, a couple tackles for loss, three picks, a forced fumble, and uh, then he was a punt returner as well. He does a little bit of everything for uh, for the Cougars. He
2: may be a really good fit in that nickel Mm-hmm. Corner, you know everybody's using five defensive backs nowadays. He may be the perfect fit for that too.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great get, great pickup there uh, for Baylor uh, with uh, Jade Barron, uh, the cornerback from Flugerville, Conley. Let's get to our commit of the week. Um, that was a commit. This is our he, but he was our prospect on the rise. This is our commit of the week, and our commit of the week going to Texas. Uh, John Tyler, uh, do-it-all athlete, Katan Crawford is the um, is the the pickup here for Texas. A big one. He he had offers from Baylor, Tennessee, among others. Uh, and this is a guy who I know you think could pretty much go anywhere on the field. Well, and he he had a ton of offers,
2: but his final three was Baylor, Tennessee, and Texas. He picked the Longhorns. Right. Um, <clears throat> plays both sides of the football in high school. I think his projection at defensive back is spot on. He's a guy who could fit in at corner or safety, uh, ele- ball of electricity out there on the football field, and really he, he's the number fifty prospect in the, the DCTF prospect rankings, and that makes him a four-star prospect. So this is uh, a huge commitment for Texas in a week mm-hmm. of commitments statewide because this was this was a hotly contested pick. Yeah, you know, there's you you scroll down to the into the texas high school football recruiting dump this week and you'll see a long list of guys who made in-state commitments Mm -hmm. this week and uh this was hotly contested, so big pickup for Texas.
0: Yeah, and this is a guy that Rickland Holmes, the coach of John Tyler, just raves about. Just thinks, uh, you know, his, his skill set is elite. He, he, can, he can be a lockdown corner, uh, a, an explosive athlete, he calls him. This is a guy who's going to make an impact there. Uh, he is heading to Texas. He's committed to them number 50 in our class at texasfootball.com slash recruiting. Uh, we're talking with Greg Powers, the next little athlete here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation hashtag TF Today. Go to our underclassmen of the week. Let's talk about uh, the surprise, surprise, DeSoto's got a young stud. Really? Uh, defensive end <laughs> Shamar Turner uh, is, um, is, is I mean, look, he's, this is a guy, he's just going to be a junior this year. Right. And a guy who I know is already on a lot of people's recruiting radars. A lot of it's the size, a lot of it's the explosiveness. There's a lot to like about Shamar Turner. He picked up offers from A&M and Texas this week uh to go along with Oklahoma and a few others. This is a guy who's who's going to be a name you're going to want to know not just for this year but for next.
2: Well, and I think I think this is his second time to be named our underclassman of the week mm-hmm. going dating back to the, to last season when we picked up his very first offer from Baylor and then had a huge defensive game um in, in a win to to help them get into the playoffs and Shamar Turner was playing outside linebacker at like 6'3, 250 mm-hmm. last year. So that kind of talks about the athleticism that he's bringing to the table. Uh, we'll probably play with his hand in the dirt as a defensive end on the next level. I'm almost certain of that. He, As a matter of fact, he played D end at our next level athlete top 100 showcase in Dallas and was the MVP. Of the defensive line unit as an underclassman, which is a pretty big deal because there are a lot of big-time guys there.
0: Absolutely, he is a, a guy who's who's that offer list is only going one way, and it's it's getting up and up, going to get a lot bigger. Uh, Shamar Turner is a name to know there at Desoto, the defensive end. Finally, let's get to our recruit of the week, and, and you uh, you have once again cheated. And this is the fir- no. This we is the have first a time set be- of rules. This is the first time that I believe I've cheated <laughs> on this. We're a society based on laws, <laughs> and you have broken one. Um, we instead of talking about a recruit of the week, we're going to talk. It was such a big week of, of commitments, and a lot of them uh, ended up in the same place, and that's Lubbock, Texas. Right. Texas Tech had a tremendous week. Seven new commitments this week. Um, whether it's Javon Debon, the uh, the, sa- uh, the safety from Cy Ridge. Offensive tackle Larry Moore from Fort Bend Marshall, a trio of receivers in Cedar Hills, Quinn Bright, Longview Pine Trees, J.J. Sparkman, and Lufkin's Jalen Polk, uh, a, a really exciting running back yep. in Taj May- uh, Taj Bar- Brooks rather from Maynard. and Clinton Anakwaru, I tried yeah, from Fort Bend Bush, good uh, the defensive end. Um, uh, the thing that ca- stands out to me, honestly, and I told you this before the show, uh, th- that trio of wide receivers awesome. are three guys that I really, really, really like. And all of them are
2: quite different. Yeah, Quinn Bright started off at running back, has developed into a true slot wide receiver, but he's super dangerous with the football in his hands. Jalen Polk is a guy who is a vertical threat. Uh, I'd call him a Skywalker mm-hmm. type of type of guy, like uh, almost
0: like the the prototypical one. You know right. what I mean, like tr- prototypical like number one receiver.
2: But he can he's. He's a guy who can really test defenses underneath. I mean, you can throw him the ball on the screen, and he's going to make plays. He's got speed, good hands. So he's like a more well-rounded guy. And then J.J. Sparkman, that true outside stretch, the defense guy. Mm -hmm. So this is quite a trio. And I have to bet that the Texas Tech coaching staff, as the dead period hit after this past weekend, is kicking back on vacation right now with their feet up and really uh, riding a a nice wave of of momentum into the next three weeks where they're probably not having to be as – Hands-on as they prepare for the, yeah, to come back to prepare for the season. And, and Good re- vacation,
0: absolutely. And you remember that basically they're working on. Um, this is essential, fundamentally. This is Matt Wells' first recruiting right. class. Uh, the recruiting class he kind of inherited and held together for the class of 2019. Uh, and now he's working on the 2020 class and, and you can see he's, he's making an impact. This is this is an impressive haul here for one week and, and I'll tell you I, I love Taj Brooks at Manor. I think he's a, a dynamo type kid that can make an impact and, and really fits I think well into what Tech wants to do offensively at least hearing uh, you know hearing people around the program talk about what they want that offense to look like. And then Javon Devon. The, right. the safety out of Cy Ridge is, I think that's a Really, really, that might be the kind of pickup that flies under the radar for it some is. people. But I think he's, I think he's a, a, a playmaker. We them. we watched his tape
2: a few weeks back. If you wanted to pull it up, when he was, I think he was the prospect on the mm-hmm. rise one week, and he's really smooth in and out of his breaks, super long and. Um, to, to Pair up with Jonathan Davis from South Oak Cliff, who they re- got a com- commitment from <laughs> earlier in the season, who's more of a headhunter but also over six foot tall, gives them a nice pair of safeties to start to build around. And you have to keep in mind that Matt Wells and his staff are doing this without proving anything right. yet as a coaching staff on the field. And I really kind of dig the strategy that they've employed and the fact that they didn't go out and try to get a lot of commitments right out of the gate. They evaluated Texas. They don't have a lot of Texas coaches on their staff, but they evaluated these kids in Texas, went all the way through the evaluation period, and then made a strong push right before the dead period to make sure that they were getting guys who could not only uh, – play in the Big 12 but make an impact yep. in the Big 12 and I think that's going to be key as we continue to watch what Matt Wells does there on the recruiting front
0: a couple other things of course check out the recruiting dump at texasfootball.com a lot of great stuff there but but two more things I want to uh, point out one is uh, A&M they got yep. it, it's been another nice week for a and a lot of um, a fair number of out-of-state commits I know they've they've na- uh, they've, right. they've landed that. I know folks down there in Aggie Land are excited about uh, one in-state guy they, they picked up Picked up, re-picked up, re, yeah, re, re, yeah. Uh, grabbed uh, his, was third, his third commitment. Akinola Ogunbiyi, right? Big Aki, Big Aki, <laughs> um, from Fort Ben Kempner, a one time A M commit, yep. Decommitted, then committed to who? Georgia, Georgia. Decommitted and now is committed to A&M. Yep. Uh, they go Big Aki. Congratulations, yep. Big
2: Aki. Uh, that's a huge commitment. He's an easy four-star, top twenty-five-ish, mm-hmm. top of, type of prospect in our rating system. Um, and I think he has the strength mm-hmm. to come in right away and and make an impact on the interior. He's an interior guy. He yeah. plays tackle in high school, ball will play um, on the interior once he gets to college. And there's a reason why Georgia wants you. Yeah, who is probably if not the best offensive line recruiting team in the country. Right, I mean, they're right up there with Alabama, probably one and two mm-hmm. producing the best offensive linemen. Um, so that really tells you all you need to know that they would have a space for uh, a guy like him from Texas and, and a guy, when we're looking at this list of news and notes of other players who made in-state commitments, someone that a lot of people don't know much about, but they will, I think by the end of next season is Allen athlete, Raylan Sharp. I um,
0: was where I was going next. That was who committed to SMU yes.
2: because he's fast.
0: Yeah. Super fast. And he's going to play quarterback for Allen this year. He is going to be – he's taking over uh, uh, the the offense there of Grant Tisdale, who obviously graduated. Uh, it sounds like Raylan Sharp is going to be their guy at quarterback. Yeah. Um, he does not probably project as a quarterback in the next no, level. No, not at all.
2: Probably a slot. Yeah, probably I would a say. slot,
0: but this dude's a burner.
2: Yeah, and go, it's going to be a different Allen yeah. offense with him under center than what we've ever yeah. seen before. And. Right out of the gate, that first game, Cedar Hill, Allen, people are going to know Raylan Sharp's name by the end of that weekend. Yeah. And so one to watch. And SMU did a really good job of evaluating him and, and getting that commitment. Not very many recruiters have taken notice of him. Yeah. And they will by the time Thank the dust settles on the, next, the, the 2019 season. They
0: got in early. It's, uh, it's, it's Greg Powers, the Next Level Athlete. Follow him on Twitter at gpowerscout. Follow Next Level Athlete on Twitter at D one um, now I kind of want to transition because we are going to hop in the car after this. Yep. we're going to head to State Seven on Seven tournament in College Station. Max well, has, your sunscreen. I got my sunscreen. Max has all his backs packed. Yep. We are. We're going to have, of course, complete team coverage. Texasfootball.com. I got my pool floaties. They're you're, ready to go. You're part, of, <laughs> dude. That would be so dope if we brought out like a uh, like waiting a, pool. Like a waiting pool. We were just yeah. sitting there, just like. Is that not part of the DCTF hospitality tent? Well, now it is. Well, I guess we're going to have to make, a, we're we, make we,
1: a stop at an academy and create our own lazy river. What
2: we
0: need to Slippin do is slide. have
2: the park build a lazy river. Yeah. Uh, if the park had a lazy river around mm. the 7-on-7. Seven seven, well, if it rains, there probably will be one. Well, you could yeah. float around
0: to watch the games. Watch each game. Yeah. Oh, my God. There you go. It makes too much sense. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but you, we're going down to State 7-on-7. Seven seven. It's going to be a lot of fun down there in College Station. You're part of our team coverage. You're going to be covering, of course, from the recruiting angle. I am interested for you because, you know, I've I've mentioned before and I'll say it again. I'm a a seven on seven convert. I'm a guy who is coming into this. uh, I wasn't always on board with what seven on seven is. Now I've come to appreciate it, I think, through talking with guys like Step and then also talking with coaches who feel like they get a lot out of it. Right. From a recruiter's perspective and from a scout's perspective. Uh, obviously there are no linemen to, uh, produ- uh, to to watch but also in a lot of ways it is such a different game than what you play on on, on Friday nights and then hopefully sure. on Saturday afternoons um, what what are you keeping an eye out for whenever
2: you're at seven on seven well the two positions that I am drawn to the most at 7-on-7, seven seven, I will freely admit, are defensive backs and quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows about the wide receivers. They can see them make great plays. But the defensive backs aren't allowed to put their hands on the receiver, so it feel like it's kind of a mismatch in favor of a talented wide receiver to begin with. Mm-hmm. But if a defensive back can lock down a wide receiver in lieu of the fact that that he can't play in press, I think it really talks to his ability in coverage. And you know a guy like Darius Snow at Hebron who's committed to Michigan State is a headhunter. He's had over 100 tackles for, you know, the past three seasons at Hebron. And uh, But when you get a chance to evaluate him strictly in coverage without being able to put his hands or come up and lay the wood, you can really see what these guys are about. And another thing that really jumps out to me that I feel like people will overlook often in seven-on-seven is you get a lot of chance to evaluate character mm. yeah, and uh these kids are out there without their coaches, yep right, and it gives them gives you a chance to see how they interact with their parents who are very close to the action with their other teammates who are on the field and at next level athlete, we we, we do use that a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, character assessment at seven on seven, and that's something I think that could be overlooked. But we try to make sure that we concentrate on a, a lot on that. Well, because, well,
1: because here's the reality too. I just not to piggyback off, sure. but there will be there will be scraps. Definitely. Oh, yeah, and and nothing's going to stop it. And you don't want to be the kid who looks bad in the scrap.
2: And I will. I will admit this: that it's not always necessarily bad that you get into a scrap with right, right. a seven-on-seven. Yes, totally, it's yeah. how you've handled yourself up to that moment, yep. mm-hmm. how you handle yourself after, and the composure that you can yep. keep. And how you know, if you're a quarterback, are you leading your team? Yep. I mean, I, and I'll, we've talked about him before here on the show. Um, South Lake Carroll has a young quarterback with about ten offers already, Quinn hmm. Ewers, um, who's a good leader on the on the field from what I witnessed at the state qualifying tournament. But this is putting a little bit more pressure. On mm-hmm. a guy like that, how does his teammates react to a Quinn Ewers who is now the quarterback of the team? Are they embracing him as a leader? Yeah, I mean that's something that you can really take a look
0: at um, and, and evaluate. And and you know what I want to do, you know this is going to sound crazy, but like with a guy like that, right, a young quarterback, <laughs> this, let me finish the sentence before you judge what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay, <laughs> danger zone. I, I want to see him throw an interception. Because I want to see what his next possession looks like. You know what I mean? Because he's going to, you know, he's probably not going to go the entire year next year without throwing a pick, right? Or without facing some sort of adversity, without getting punched in the mouth. You know what I mean? I want to see, especially from kids who are taking over quarterback roles, especially from guys who who are maybe going to be juniors, right? I want to see what happens when they do hit adversity, when they make a bad throw, when they overshoot a wide open receiver. Do they sulk? Do they, you know, what, what are we looking for here? What are we looking at from a leadership perspective? Uh, same thing in the, de, in the defense. You know, right. when somebody blows a coverage, you know what I mean? I want to see not only, you know, I want to see how those guys react. But beyond that, the leaders of that defense, I want to see how they go over there and say, this is how you need to fix it, and you need to fix it right now. That's what I want to see from those guys. So I think that's a, a really interesting point, uh, the point you make, is that we're going to focus a lot on the great plays and the terrific throws and the outstanding catches and the terrific Winners and plays. losers. Exactly. And we are focusing a lot on that, but there is that secondary element that I know that I'll guarantee you not only recruiters are paying attention to, but those high school coaches who are going to be out there, they are paying attention to it too. And especially if you're a district rival and you say, oh, boy, that quarterback can get rattled pretty easily. or that, exactly. defense, that defensive back, if we pick on him, like we're going to we're gonna get inside his head. I mean, those are the types of things that, that you do have to pay attention Trust to. me, the coaches are watching the other teams. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're definitely wa- – your opponents are watching you. They might yeah. be interested. They're interested in their team. Right. They, they are arguably more interested in the other teams. And just to touch on some prospects who I'm
2: interested to see from a positional standpoint that are going to be playing in the tournament, you have a guy like uh, A.J. McCarty at Brownwood who uh, could play wide receiver or corner. He's committed to Baylor. I'd like to take a really hard look at him to see what position I really feel like fits him best in college. You can kind of make some of those determinations because if he's big enough and smooth enough to play on the defensive side of the football, then his value could be higher there versus offense in the slot where you could possibly get another guy, Um, talk to him about what their – their thoughts around his fit in their program mm-hmm. would be, you know, he's fresh off of his, his commitment there. And then Alan Horace at Crockett, mm. who's made a commitment to Arkansas. And Arkansas has picked up some pretty good tight ends in um, the last couple classes in addition to him. And I think he's slated to play on offense at Arkansas. But just kind of see, is he – because I kind of personally liked his tape better – on the defensive side of the ball, um, what does he bring to the table on the offensive side of the football, and can he be a high-level tight end in the SEC? So there, you know, just a couple mm-hmm. of small examples of things that you would look for in individual prospect evaluations. We've
0: got a, uh, your story up on TexasFootball.com talking about the prospects you're, you're keeping an eye on. Uh, you, of course, are going to have uh, reports from, at sure. college, from in College Station on TexasFootball.com. A lot of great content coming from y- coming at you, not only from the you know as far as the results of seven on seven, but also the recruiting side of it. So we're very very excited. Uh, as Matt, as Matt step calls it, it's the chips and salsa of uh, <laughs> of football. <laughs> it's a uh, you know a little appetizer. Just not you know, the meat and potatoes. Th- this, this is not this is not going. And this is this is enough to 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 kind of you know get you get you to the entree. You know what I mean? It'll it's a you know, nice little thing, but nobody's going and just eating chips and salsa. You know. <laughs> Although there, did you ever, did do you know. ever do that in college? Catch,
1: catch me on the wrong night, man. Do you ever do that in college, chips where you you rule.
0: you roll to the you roll to the Mexican restaurant and you order water and chips and salsa? That's such a no, low no, thing. Let's to just do.
1: go on Taco Tuesday, where you'd get two tacos for a dollar, absolutely, and then have the chips That's and salsa. You you at least give him some money. Yes, yeah,
0: so you got to give them some money. And now we go to Max Thompson for America's Second Favorite Segment. Final thoughts?
1: Actually, interesting question here that uh, Powers may be able to help us with. Phil Vaney, our man uh, down in Houston, wants to know why UT's class is so small so far.
2: Well, I don't necessarily know that you have to hit the panic button if you're a school like Texas based <laughs> on the numbers of what it would be heading into the, to the summer. I, as a matter of fact, doing research for state 7-on-7 preparation, there's not a lot of big classes in the state. Right now, right. period. Yeah, I mean, I think A and M has the most commitments. I can tell you what. Yeah. Mm, you know, see I, if I can pull something. Tech, ha- tech has um, ten commitments. A and M has thirteen. I think that's the. That's the. I, think, that, that's I think, the that's leader. think that's the largest one. Yeah. So I mean, all. I guess you could point the same question at every school in the state, not only Texas this year, because it, this is a different strategy. And I made a tweet about six months ago mm-hmm. um, that addressed the early official visit uh, official visitors and schools that host them and the schools that hosted early official visitors in last year's class had a horrible retention rate mm-hmm. on gaining and keeping commitments interesting so this could be a pivot and strategy by these schools to make sure that they're getting the right prospects on campus in the early official visit period, and then saving the right prospects for the late official visit period. Too.
0: There, there are some, uh, there's some group of five teams that are doing well. Rice has 13 commitments, North Texas 15. Yeah. Um, North Texas right is doing a great job this year. They're doing great, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. Here's my question though. When, when would you start to worry about having, cause this is a Texas team that right now has seven commitments. Uh, now A lot of them are really good. You know what I mean? This is a good group of commitments. But um, when would you start to be like, oh, what's going on there in Texas?
2: Well, I would start to worry when the guys are coming off of my board who I'm recruiting. Mm. You know, when you're getting down to third and fourth options, if you're a school like Texas, then you start to hit the panic button and you have to reassess and look at guys in different states or guys who you may not be familiar with. Uh, But as long as those top guys are on your board, then you really don't have too much to worry about because you're still in the game for them when they come off the board then you're like oh crap you know then it changes then your uh, l- level of panic rises significantly and i think uh as but by and large the guys who are on their commitment list were their first choices not their even their second choices at all of these positions so yeah absolutely you know so the, i don't think you're panicked so they, really, in it's a, lot a of very ways- high quality class right now there isn't a guy who i look at on the list uh, who i would worry about i mean the one guy who who might have a question mark in a lot of fans Eyes would be Jaden Hollaby uh, from Bishop Dunn, and that may just be based around only what his fit is within Texas, because they're looking at him as more of an H back role when he's he's played running back in high school. Absolutely. That might be the only question mark. Yeah.
0: Um, what's next? What's next, Max?
1: Andrew Christensen says he took Tepper's sweet little band recommendation, and he says I got to admit there are some legitimate options here.
0: Uh, I'm telling you, they they have yeah. so they have a very wide breadth of stuff. So I know they like they have a Coldplay album they have um, what else? the Beatles. Because
1: nothing, nothing needs to be softened for children more than Coldplay. The
0: Beatles, things like that. The Beatles, uh, But uh, Metallica was the one that really caught my eye. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm super into this.
1: Uh, so yesterday, you'll remember Phil Vaney was looking for NOLA recommendations. I did share with him the Max Thompson map of America, and he is blown away by it. And it's not even done. But if you would like this map, and Tepper's looked at it.
0: I've seen it. It's a good
1: map. It's legit. It's a good map. It's, a, it's pretty ridiculous, the number of things that are on there. Uh finally we got to get going but the one thing I did want to throw out here we have had multiple messages in the comments today I'm going to do a one shot on the birthday boy Happy birthday Greg Tepper this is your life uh
0: hardly seems important
1: Terry Adams uh Matt Mcspadden Daniel Agnew it was too many to count wishing the birthday boy a happy birthday And I saved it to the end because I wasn't going to do it at the top when you were trying to do your bit. I wanted you to think I didn't realize it was your birthday or remember. But only, And I'll be honest. The only reason I remember it is because we were talking about getting a beer tonight in College Station before. And you were like, I can't not on my birthday, Mm -hmm. which is a fair point, which Mm -hmm. is a fair point. So we will toast. Thank you. To the birthday boy this evening. And uh, we'll see you all out there.
0: Thank you. Happy birthday, Tim. I'm still. Actually, you know what's funny? I believe it was like oh that's my my mom but it was it was like 12:30 like around now so like I'm officially now Oh nice like 165 years nice. old so happy 165th birthday Max who was going to Louisiana
1: joke. uh Phil Vaney. our man da- the, he's a Shadow Creek guy down down in South Houston
2: Parkway Tavern
1: Oh yeah Parkway Tavern's Parkway good Parkway Tavern in? Yeah Parkway Tavern's good it's not on the official Max Thompson map of America but <sighs> you know Mm. That's probably because –
2: If you like a shrimp po' boy. That's because there's like
1: 15 places in New Orleans already on the map. So –
0: on us tonight tip happy birthday yeah man that's gonna do it for us thank you for spending part of your day with us remember we are off until monday so we'll see you at state follow us on twitter at dctf like us on facebook facebook.com slash dave campbells false instagram instagram.com slash dave campbells and of course see us just call it fake state we should call it the deep state yeah. underwear um, football state <laughs> uh for max thompson and greg powers i'm greg tepper vince young please be your player of the Year trophy we will see you monday on texas football today